Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And for this particular episode, I thought I'd talk a little bit about the difference between biblical creationism and evolution. Please let me state right here, I am not a scientist. I know very little about biology, which is the science of life or living matter in all of its forms and phenomena. I know even less about geology, which is simply put the study of the earth, but a more involved definition would include all the dynamics and physical history of the earth with the rocks of which it is composed and the physical, chemical, and biological changes that the earth has undergone and continues to undergo. I know very little about paleontology, which is really the study of the science of fossils, although I must say in this field, what is sometimes presented as fact seems like, and oftentimes turns out to be, more fantasy than fact. I know very little about biochemistry, the science that deals with the study of the chemistry of living things. I will tell you what I know a little about, and that is the Bible. I also know that the man-made theory of evolution as a means of explaining the origin of the earth and all species stands in direct conflict with the word of God and Jehovah's explanation of the beginning of all things as well as their continued existence. I know that one cannot be a proponent of organic evolution and be a Bible believer at the same time. Organic evolution says that life sprang originally from non-living matter and has since evolved into animals, both living and extinct. That theory cannot be harmonized with the facts of science or with the Bible. The man-made theory of organic evolution is at variance with the Bible in several points, and I'd like to look at some of those today. First and foremost, evolution denies that life was created. It requires the theory of spontaneous regeneration also known as abiogenesis. Evolutionists must say that this happened only once because it has never been scientifically demonstrated or reproduced. Even Webster's Dictionary calls abiogenesis the now discredited theory that living organisms can arise spontaneously from inanimate matter. If you can't make it happen, if you can't reproduce it or show that it ever actually took place, well then just simply adjust your theory to say that it happened only once. This, my friend, stands in direct opposition to the genocide account of creation, which begins so simply, wonderfully, and beautifully with the words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This verse takes us back to the absolute beginning of created things. Man asks, what was the beginning of things? Well, here's the answer. The beginning was made by God in his creation of the heavens and the earth. As far as this world is concerned, it simply had not existed in any form before this time. 
The verb created or bara is very important. Just the verb alone does not absolutely preclude the use of existing materials. However, when no existing materials are mentioned, then no such material was used. Genesis 1.1 teaches creation out of nothing. Evolution teaches that matter was eternal. Genesis 1.1 says that is not true. I'm reminded of the Hebrews writer's words in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Secondly, evolution denies God created man, male and female, and that man is a unique creation of God, absolutely above and distinct from the animals. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 tells us, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female he created them. To man, God gave dominion over the animals of his creation. No other creature was created in the image of God. From every point of view, Man is seen in scripture as the crown and climax of God's creation, which happens to be yet another thing denied by evolution. Evolution simply teaches that man is the highest rung on the evolutionary ladder. As time goes on, man as we exist now will not be, because according to the theory, the process continues. However, Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 tells us, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts, and by the seventh day God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. The Bible teaches that God's work of creation has ceased, and that man is the absolute crown of it. Consider with me Psalm 8, verses 3 through 8, where David wrote the following, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man? that thou dost take thought of him, and the son of man, that thou dost care for him. Yet thou hast made him a little lower than God, and dost crown him with glory and majesty. Thou dost make him to rule over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the sea. A third point of contrast between man's theory and God's revealed truth is that evolution denies the fixity of kinds. The theory simply chooses to ignore the fact that it is physically impossible for man to cross with animals. It cannot be done. Plants, animals, fish, and man all reproduce after their own kind as God created and designed it. Look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 21 where we are told, and God created the great sea monsters, and every living creature that moves, with which the water swarmed after their kind, and every winged bird after its kind, and God saw that it was good. Consider verses 22 and 20, 24 rather, and 25. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after their kind, 
and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. And God saw that it was good. Not even though this was not the point that Paul was making in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 39, it certainly emphasizes once again the fixity of kinds. Paul wrote, All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men and another flesh of beasts, and another flesh of birds and another flesh of fish. Still another point to be considered is that evolution chooses to overlook the difference between human blood and animal blood. When Paul stood on Mars Hill in the city of Athens in Acts chapter 17, one part of his presentation to the philosophers of that city is found in verses 24 through 26. He said, The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all life and breath and all things. And he made from one blood every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. Evolution, by its emphasis upon chance and natural selection, denies a basic biblical truth that every effect must have an adequate cause. We have studied the book of Proverbs from time to time, and in that study we often saw the basic principle of cause and effect. For every action there is a consequence, there is an effect. The principle is stated so simply in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 4 that folks can actually pass right over it. The Hebrew writer wrote, For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Because of this emphasis upon chance, evolution denies that God governs or sustains all things. Few things are as clearly taught in Scripture as is the fact that God controls the universe and that all things are sustained by his mighty power. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, Paul wrote these words, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Remove the sustaining power of God, and all things cease to be. The Hebrew writer tells us in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 that Jesus is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. It is not chance that keeps things going. It is through the power of God. And while we're talking along this line, not only is the theory of evolution at odds with the Word of God, it is at odds with at least three scientific laws, each of which is pointed out in Scripture. Evolution is not in harmony with the first law of thermodynamics. That law is the law of energy conservation. It simply states that nothing is now being either created or destroyed. This is pointed out by the biblical assertion that the creative work of God has ceased. He rested from that work on the seventh day. The second law of thermodynamics is the law of energy decay. This simply states that every system left to its own device tends to move from order to disorder, its energy being transformed into lower levels of availability finally reaching the state of complete randomness and unavailability for further work. The only way an increase can occur 
is when some outside force is sufficient to produce the change. Now that sounds confusing, but it is not. Buildings decay and metal will rust when left unattended. Mutations in plants and animals tend to be harmful and deadly, not an evolutionary upward spiral. Evolution has a problem here. The second law of thermodynamics requires the universe to have had a beginning, but the first law precludes its having begun itself. The only possible reconciliation to this problem is that the universe was created by a cause transcendent to itself. Who that cause was and how it happened is what Genesis chapters 1 and 2 are all about. Evolution denies the law of biogenesis, which simply states that living organisms come from other living organisms. We know that life comes from life. That is what the Bible teaches. As we begin to wind down, let's shift gears a little bit. The theory of evolution denies the entire account of Genesis 3 and the introduction of sin into the world. Evolution does not recognize the peculiar and unique status of man in God's creation. The idea of man being created in God's image is not reconcilable with the theory because there is no God behind it and thus no inherent or revealed moral law. Evolution denies that man is a sinner and stands in need of a savior. Evolution teaches the idea of survival of the fittest and trumpets it. How does that compare to the Lord's teaching concerning the treatment of others in Matthew chapter 5 verses 38 through 45? Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist him who is evil, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. And whoever shall force you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you, in order that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Obviously, one does not match the other. The theory of evolution, by its very nature, must deny all biblical miracles, including the virgin birth and the resurrection of the Lord. It denies the truthfulness of Peter's confession concerning Jesus in Matthew 16:16, 16, 16, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. It denies that the Bible is the complete and total, divinely inspired revelation of the Word of God for man. It has to, because if the Bible is true, evolution is not. When you get right down to it, the theory of evolution denies the very existence of God. These are just some words for your consideration. I hope that they'll be beneficial. Thanks for listening.